Hi everyone, welcome back to the Midwife in My Pocket podcast. As always, it's your host Zoe and this week we are here with an episode all about boobs. Um, So get excited. I hope this helps someone out there um, on their breastfeeding journey. Before I start and get into the content though, I just want to preface that I am not a lactation consultant. Um, midwives are trained to a certain degree in, um, you know, lactation and breastfeeding and that sort of thing. But unfortunately, I cannot provide you specific advice, nor can I give you really in-depth advice that is, um, you know, specialized in the field of lactation and breastfeeding. This is just some general knowledge that might be helpful to you throughout your pregnancy journey um, or breastfeeding journey and um, is just for education and entertainment purposes only. If you have any issues with your breastfeeding, with your supply or whatever the case may be, please don't hesitate to reach out to a lactation consultant and book an appointment and they will be able to help you um, with individualized specific advice. So I just want to let you guys know that um, before we get started so that the roles aren't confused. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll get into the bulk of the episode. It's been, um, it's a good feeling actually, but I thought I would just let you guys know that I am now fully vaccinated. I am very tired today. The heat in Townsville has absolutely risen. Um, so I'm feeling really quite lethargic, a little bit off. Um, but I promise that we'll get through this podcast and we'll make it as lively and as entertaining as possible. Um, So yeah, without further ado, let's get into everything you need to know about your boobs. So um, don't let anyone tell you that breastfeeding comes naturally. It can be a really hard experience. And from my, um, I guess, experience in my career, it's been really like most of the challenges I've had or that postpartum women have had is to do with breastfeeding. And it's a really hard thing to sort of wrap your head around, particularly when things aren't going according to plan. Um, There are certain factors that can contribute to breastfeeding issues, um, whether that be with you and yourself or whether that's with baby. Um, And I think people aren't really aware of them until they're the person in it and, you know, suddenly their baby's not feeding or suddenly they have really sore nipples and don't want to continue breastfeeding or maybe their supply isn't as good as they would have hoped. Um, So yeah, you don't really know of these issues until you are the person in it and until it's happening to you. So I thought I'd give you guys a little bit of a um, brief education uh, session on some of the things that you can expect with breastfeeding, some troubleshooting, um, some tips and tricks, and all of the basic stuff that you might want to know about um, when you do embark on your breastfeeding journey. I also just want to preface before I start, um, a fed baby is the best baby. And I know that people love to pressure women into thinking that breast is best. That unfortunately isn't the case for everyone and nor is it a bad thing. Um, A fed baby is the best baby. And sometimes breastfeeding can be really taxing on your mental health and it can sometimes not be the best option for you and for babies. So I just want to make sure that that comes across in this podcast. I don't want people to listen to this and think that I am pro breastfeeding. I mean, I am pro breastfeeding, but I'm not one track minded when it comes to feeding your baby. There are multiple different ways to feed your baby in today's um, day and age. And all of those ways should be accepted and celebrated because, you know, it's the best thing for mum and bub. So I just want to let you guys know that. 
Um, I also want to let you guys know that even though breastfeeding is, you know, considered probably the most natural form of feeding, it doesn't come naturally to everyone. And it is really, really hard sometimes. Um, and it can be really unnatural for some people. So some people can't think of anything worse than breastfeeding their child. Um, some people just may not be able to feed breastfeed their baby, um, for a number of different reasons, but sometimes it just doesn't work out. Um, I get a lot of messages from people saying like, you know, I've heard from such and such who's my friend that she, it was impossible for her to feed her baby. Will that be the same case for me? And, you know, yes, breastfeeding happens, I guess, or everyone thinks that it happens quite naturally. Unfortunately, some people just cannot feed, breastfeed their baby. Um, and that's okay. So I just want to let you guys know that unfortunately it isn't possible for everyone. Um, whilst anatomically it is, sometimes it's really quite difficult and the best option at the time may be to switch feeding methods. So just wanted to let you guys know that. But before, oh, well, actually, no, we'll just get straight into it now. <laughs> I keep saying like before we get into it, but I've reached my limit with that. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll start from the very beginning. Um, I'm not going to confuse you guys or get too in-depth with the way hormones work and like when, I guess like the specifics of it because it can be really quite overwhelming and you learn enough of that in your midwifery classes or your midwifery sessions or whatever the case may be. So I think Oh, excuse me, I just burped. <laughs> um, so I think we'll just keep it simple today because I don't want to get lost and I don't want to get sidetracked talking about hormones and their roles and things like that because I think, you know, that's something that you guys will learn along the way. And this is simply just going to be um, the practical stuff because I think that's the stuff that's really important. Yes, it's nice to know, you know, the physiological um, processes that are involved with breastfeeding, the anatomy, the hormones, you know, it's interesting, but it can be a lot to take in, particularly when you do just want to know how to feed your baby. So um, I guess we'll start with antenatal expressing, what it is, why you should do it, and um, I guess the benefits for you and baby. So antenatal expressing, um, before you even consider this, it's really important that you get the all clear from your doctor or your midwife or whoever the person may be that's providing care for you. So what expressing is, is simply using your hands to massage your breasts with the aim to produce and collect milk. So in the early days, particularly when you're pregnant, you will only produce colostrum because your body is naturally inhibiting um the breastfeeding hormone from being released. Your, whilst your placenta is still intact, um, your body will not produce milk. So it'll produce colostrum in various different amounts. Some people produce a lot while they're pregnant. Some people don't produce much. Both is normal. Um, your body is going to be um, inhibiting those hormones from releasing milk. So don't be stressed or don't think that because you have a massive amount of colostrum that you're going to have a massive amount of milk when baby is born. They don't really correlate because it's your body pre-hormones, if that makes sense, or pre-breastfeeding hormone release. Um, so from about 37 weeks, we usually say if all is well and good, 
We usually say you should start antenatal expressing to have a little bit of a supply before baby arrives. Um, and so you can get to know the technique of how to hand express as well so that when baby does arrive, you have all of the information that you need to be able to produce colostrum and then feed that to your baby, which I think is really nice to learn before baby comes because it can be really quite high stress. Um, you know, you're tired from the birth, you're exhausted emotionally and physically, you know, things are happening, like you're in pain, that sort of thing, and you've got a crying baby that's really quite hungry. It can be really beneficial to know the technique um, already rather than have a midwife come in and sit with you for what can sometimes be a really long period of time trying to teach you how to hand express whilst you're already overwhelmed and exhausted from the birth and your baby is you know crying hungry it's just a high pressure scenario so that's why we recommend doing it um, in pregnancy, not necessarily so you can have a supply. As midwives, we know that you probably won't have a huge supply of colostrum. But what we do know is that learning the technique and understanding how your breasts work is actually, um, you know, much better for you than learning it, you know, in a high pressure scenario. So that's why we advise it. It's also Really highly advised if you have a medical condition such as gestational diabetes, um, where baby may be born with lower than normal blood sugars. Um, you know, if you are a gestational diabetic, this is where, you know, when baby's born, they have sort of like a withdrawal type of effect from insulin. Um, that's the best way I can describe it. I'm very tired. <laughs> um, but yeah, so babies that are typically born from gestational diabetic mothers sometimes do have a lower blood sugar than normal. And this is where colostrum comes in really handy because rather than, you know, doing something dramatic like formula or, um, you know, having a baby on a drip, we can give colostrum straight away because, you know, that's going to be the best outcome for baby at the time. And, that's why we would recommend doing that if you are a gestational diabetic mother or if you have a condition where you sort of or even an unforeseen condition where you know that at some point baby may be admitted to special care nursery. Um, so if you have a baby um, and during your pregnancy, you're told that they may need special care admission, um, at least you've got that supply there to help them with their feeding. If um you know, for whatever unforeseen circumstance, like say you go for an emergency cesarean or you need um, clearance of retained product and you may need to be put under a general anesthetic, your baby has a supply of colostrum there ready to go should that unforeseen circumstance arrive and you are separated from your baby. Um, so those are some of the instances where we may strongly recommend antenatal expressing to a person. Um, but once again, this is an important chat to have with your midwife or your care provider and gain that clearance before you do go and start fondling your breasts for milk <laughs> um, because it can unfortunately lead to early labor. Um, if you antenatal express too early, um, we know that nipple stimulation and breast stimulation can contribute to early contractions um, and that's not something we want you know, we don't want anyone to go into premature labor unless, you know, their body does it anyway. So we don't want to be contributing to that. Um, it's also not really recommended in situations where you may have a placental issue 
or, um, you know, premature labor is a threat. So we'll advise you depending on your individual circumstances, but please talk to your midwives before you do decide to antenatal express, regardless of whether you're 37 weeks or not. Um, because yeah, it's important to avoid premature labor if we can. Um, so yeah, that's why you would talk to them and make sure you get the all clear. So I guess the technique, um, to antenatal express is really quite simple, but it can be hard to master if that makes sense. So I do have some videos over on my Instagram. Oh, I burped again. I'm so sorry if you heard that. <laughs> it's really uncomfortable over microphone. Um, but yeah, I do have some videos on my Instagram if you guys are interested in watching those. Um, I think I did an IGTV a little while ago that really um, breaks down the technique and why you would do it, what to expect, that sort of thing. Um, so highly recommend you check those out. Please feel free to leave a like or a comment on the video so I know that you're watching it from the podcast. That would be really cool. Um, but yeah, video is there demonstrating the technique. Basically, what it is, is essentially massaging your breasts to produce colostrum. So you want to start from the very back of your breast. So the really thick tissue, if that makes sense, like the meaty part of your boob. And you want to um, gently work your hands down. I'm massaging my breasts as I do this. <laughs> so I hope you guys understand my level of commitment here and appreciate it. Um, let's do it all together, shall we? <laughs> Um, so yeah, starting from the breast tissue up the very back, you want to work your way down towards the nipple um, and just, you know, apply gentle pressure. This isn't something that should hurt, nor should it be really uncomfortable. Um, it's basically just a gentle rub to produce colostrum. If you see colostrum, great. If not, don't stress. Again, your placenta is inhibiting those hormones. So um, it's not something to worry about, you know, if you get a good amount, amazing. Um, but if not, you know, at least you're practicing the technique and at least you're aware of what to expect and how to do it for when baby does come. You're equipped with knowledge. You feel a lot more in control and empowered, all of that beautiful stuff. So, um, when it comes to, I guess, if you want to try and make more colostrum, because like I said, you might be a gestational diabetic mother or you might know that baby needs nursery and you would really like that supply. Um, the main things to be aware of is keeping up with your fluids. If you are dehydrated, you aren't going to be making much colostrum because your body's compensating to make up for the dehydration basically. So it's trying to retain fluid and make sure that you're looked after before your baby is. And that's the same with breastfeeding. If, um, you know, you're really dehydrated, you're not going to make a lot of milk. So keep up with your fluids as much as you can. Um, I know it can be a lot easier said than done, particularly when you are pregnant and, you know, you probably won't be moving around as much as normal or you might not be, you know, outdoors and active as much as you normally would be. Um, so it can be easy to not drink a lot of water during the day. But highly recommend you, you know, keeping up with you. I think it's like two liters a day or something. So um, make sure you do that. Make sure that I know a lot of people say that and I have seen it work is the effects of heat. So if you are in the shower, um, best time to express will be post a warm shower or use a heat pack um, to really put or like to apply it to your breasts and 
stimulate that sort of letdown effect to loosen the ducts. So best time to express would ideally be after a warm shower. If you can't stand a warm shower in this hot, hot heat, um, go for a heat pack and just apply it to the top of your breasts and move it around as you hand express. And you might find there's a bit of a difference there with the amount that you collect. Um, in terms of collection equipment, you don't have to spend a cent on this if you don't want to. So your hospital will supply you with syringes, um, caps, cups, whatever you need, labels um, to hand express for your baby. If um, for whatever reason your hospital doesn't or they aren't aware of hand expressing or whatever, you can purchase some um, colostrum collectors from Harker, um, from milko.com, I believe it is. Um, I'll link those all in the show notes for you so you guys can check them out. Um, but yeah, again, you don't have to spend a cent if you don't want to. So highly recommend that if you do get the all clear from your doctor, you just pop around the corner to your birth suite and make sure that they can give you a hand expressing kit. Otherwise you can purchase them online. So there's that. Um, yeah, so... In terms of hand expressing and the technique and practicing it, it doesn't have to be a long-winded, drawn-out process. You can simply hand express for as little as five minutes. I wouldn't recommend going anywhere over 10 minutes um, just because it can be really quite exhausting. It can be quite hard on your breasts. Um, don't be surprised if after the first couple of goes, you do feel a little bit sore um, just as your muscles get used to being, I guess, handled, particularly your breast tissue. It's a really sensitive part of your body. Um, so don't be surprised if, you know, it is a little bit sore afterwards. It shouldn't be debilitatingly sore. Um, if that's the case, you've probably gone too hard and next time you'll need to, you know, go a little bit gentler, a little bit softer. Um, and I guess... With collecting, that is a skill in itself. <laughs> so for the first couple of goes, highly recommend you do it into a little medicine cup type of scenario um, because sometimes when you're trying to do the syringe, it can be really hard to get used to one-handed. By all means, you can practice it. Um, but yeah, highly recommend doing it into a cup. That way you're just not losing any drops of breast milk or colostrum, I should say. Um, and you're not getting too caught up with the syringe and losing colostrum as it pours out of your breast. <laughs> um, so yeah, highly recommend the cup. You can get those as well from your hospital. And yeah, that's hand expressing in a nutshell. Like I said, um, please pop over to my Instagram. You will find all of the details there about how to hand express a bit of a demonstration, etc. Um, highly recommend it. So I guess now we'll transition into when baby arrives. So once you give birth, there's this period of time called the golden hour that midwives absolutely love and we try and prioritize as much as we can. You can still have your golden hour of breastfeeding um, with your baby after a cesarean. <clears throat> Just make sure that if it is something you are really trying for and you are wanting to hand uh, to breastfeed, let your midwives know, um, put it in your birth plan or do whatever you need to do to make it known so that that way they can really make sure that you get that skin to skin contact um, immediately after birth so that we can get things going. So what the golden hour is essentially is baby's first breastfeed. So as the name suggests, we usually try to make it within an hour of birth. 
We put baby skin to skin with you immediately so that they can, um, you know, get that oxytocin flowing, um, stimulate your uterus to contract and look for the breast. So the way baby is positioned in this time can be varied based on your breasts. Um, There are lots of different breastfeeding positions out there. If there is one that you would like to try, again, I do have a video on my Instagram demonstrating the different types of breast positions. Um, Like for example, if you have bigger boobs, you might want to try the football hold and make this known to your midwife on the day as well, because usually nine times out of 10, they'll just throw a baby on your chest, not throw place. Um, And, you know, let you go for gold basically, or let baby go for gold. But if you would really like to try a certain position, don't be afraid to say, hey, um, I've heard this position works really well for bigger boobs or I've heard this position works really well um, for people with small boobs and get them to help you figure that out, especially if it's something that you do see yourself using long term. It doesn't hurt to start mixing up positions and that sort of thing from the get go. Um, Again, this is sort of trial and error, trying to find a position that works best for you and for baby. Um, so don't be surprised if, you know, a couple of times throughout your breastfeeding uh, your breastfeeding journey, you find that one position works better than the other or, you know, you might be breastfeeding with a certain position for a while and then wake up one day and, you know, you need to try something completely different. That's normal. Um, but with the golden hour, um, it's really important that no matter what, Baby is placed in skin to skin. We usually say tummy to tummy and nose to nipple. What this does is it stimulates baby to open their mouth nice and widely and get a really good latch and seal over your nipple. Now, don't be, um, I guess, misconstrued. Breastfeeding is breastfeeding. It's not nipple feeding. So you want to make sure that baby not only has the nipple in their mouth, but you want to make sure they have a little bit of the areola, a little tiny bit of the breast tissue as well. um, And make sure that your latch from the get go is, you know, beneficial to your breasts or your boobs and is actually a latch instead of the baby just hanging on the end of your nipple. Midwives are able to detect a good latch versus a not so good one um, pretty quickly. So make sure that if baby does happen to latch themselves, um, that you're getting a midwife to check it and make sure that they're positioned properly, um, that they're not just hanging off the end of the nipple or going to cause damage down the track because that's the biggest thing Um, I guess with the preservation of breastfeeding and making sure that breastfeeding is prolonged for as long as possible is making sure that baby has a good latch. And that'll be the first question that your lactation consultant or your midwife will ask you, should you be having breastfeeding issues? Um, The first thing they'll want to know is, well, what's your latch like? And then they'll want to see the latch and work with you and your baby to make sure that that latch is as beneficial as possible. Um, So yeah, making sure that your latch is perfect, your positioning is perfect, and then working with your baby to get them attached and comfortable. So breastfeeding shouldn't be something that is uncomfortable, nor should it be something that you're straining over. So when you are feeding, you want to make sure that you're relaxed, you're sitting back, you're chilled as fuck, Um, because if you're uncomfortable and straining, like for example, if you're hunched over 
you're um, slouching, whatever the case may be, you're not going to want to breastfeed because you'll be sore, you'll be uncomfortable, it'll just be an issue for everyone. So making sure you're comfortable, making sure that things are accessible for you as well. Like if you know that you want to use your phone at some point, have it near you, TV remotes, snacks, water, that sort of thing. Um, breastfeeding is thirsty work so make sure you do have access to a water bottle or some snacks at some point because you will feel a bit depleted particularly in those first couple of days when baby does feed pretty continuously Um, you want to make sure that you've got something there to keep you sustained Um, so yeah that golden hour is really important because again, baby gets a really good hit of that beautiful colostrum, which is full of so many immunoglobulins, so many good bits and pieces. <laughs> um, you know, it's really incredible some of the stuff that is in colostrum and the benefits it can have for you and baby. So making sure that they get that first bit is really quite important. Um, and then from there, it's really a supply versus demand thing. So you might find that after birth, babies just want to be held and they just want to be on you constantly. That's completely normal. You have been their safe place for nine months. Um, they've known nothing different than a dark, warm room. room. <laughs> um, so when they're out, you are all they know. So they will want to be with you pretty consistently. Um, if not, they will be really quite tired. Birth is a huge event for babies as well. So don't be surprised if all of a sudden babies go through this really awake period after birth. And then after that, they're sort of really quite tired, really lethargic, um, not really wanting to wake for feeds, that sort of thing after birth. That's a normal process as well. Um, after birth, babies do have a lot of mucus in their tummies, um, which is actually keeping them sustained as well. So depending on the baby, they may sleep for a long time after birth and your doctors or your midwives or whoever it may be might not be too surprised by this because that's a normal response. Um, But the main thing we will be worried about should that happen is your breast stimulation. So Breastfeeding is a supply versus demand scenario or mechanism, I guess. Your boobs will not produce the milk if there's no demand for it. So if you think about it, if, you know, this is how people, I guess, suppress their milk is because their babies aren't feeding. So if at any point, you know, you're not breastfeeding or you just stop breastfeeding, your breasts won't produce milk because there's no demand for it. So If you have a baby and, you know, all of a sudden you do that golden hour of feed, your body kicks into producing those hormones to start the lactation process. And then if your baby goes to sleep after that, you're losing a period of time where your breasts could be stimulated. Now, the methods of stimulation to produce breast milk is obviously baby feeding But another way is hand expressing. So this is why it's important to sort of understand the technique and practice it um, because it will be really beneficial to stimulating your breasts in the event that your baby cannot. So if your baby's really sleepy, if they're in nursery, that sort of thing, if they can't stimulate your breasts, at least you have the tools and the knowledge to be able to do it yourself. Um, I hope that makes sense. (laughs) So yeah, that's one of the main ways that, you know, you produce a supply is through stimulation. So with that um, supply versus demand thing, 
babies go through a period of cluster feeding. So you might realize that in two days all of the, or day two postpartum, your baby goes from that golden hour of feeding. They're really quite sleepy after that. They might be sleepy for the first day or so. And, you know, you're breastfeeding pretty irregularly. So you might be breastfeeding three to four hourly. Um, but even then, you're really trying to wake baby up and annoy them so that they can get on the breast um, just so you can feed basically or have an attempted feed. And then you might be just hand expressing in between that because your baby's so tired. And then all of a sudden, when you're two days postpartum, this baby comes to life and it's really quite clingy. It wants to be on you feeding 24 seven. Um, and all of a sudden it's just a completely different baby. It's awake, it's alert. It's starting to, you know, really become needy in terms of baby world. So with that, we usually say that's a period of cluster feeding, which can last from 12 to 24 hours. And what that is, is your baby stimulating your milk to come in. So when that cluster feeding moment does kick in, it can be really tempting to, you know, want to give your baby to someone else for a while. Uh, like if you have a partner around and you just want to get some sleep, can be really tempting to be like, hey, can you go for a walk with baby? Um, or can you give the baby to the midwifery staff so they can look after it or whatever the case may be um, so that you can get some sleep? I know that can be really tempting, but in the long run, what this, actual, what this cluster feeding period does is actually produce or I guess stimulate the hormones to produce milk. So your babies all of a sudden are just constantly, constantly feeding. So I'm not talking that they're on there for just 20 minutes longer than usual. They'll be wanting to feed. So say you feed your baby at, let's say, one o'clock and then you feed them for half an hour. They have a really good feed. Um, everything went well. You do your normal little routine, like where you get them dressed back up, you put them, you wrap them, you put them to bed, that sort of thing. And then all of a sudden at 1.30, your baby is screaming, they're inconsolable, they're acting like they're hungry, they're, you know, sucking their hands, they're looking around for the breasts and they just want to be held. So you hold your baby thinking, oh my God, there's something wrong, like I've just fed this kid, but they're wanting more. That is normal. That is cluster feeding. So what they're trying to do is stimulate your breast to produce milk, which typically breast milk starts to kick in around day three to five postpartum. So you can imagine what these babies are trying to do. They're trying to say, look, colostrum's been cool, loved it, but kind of keen for some breast milk now because I'm growing. I'm kind of in the mood for some milk. <laughs> so that's what they're trying to achieve there. And that is what is going to stimulate your milk to come in. Crazy stuff, right? Like insanity. I know. <laughs> so once your milk comes in, which is, like I said, around that day three to five period, might be longer for some people, might be shorter, just totally depends on your body. Um, you may feel like a little bit of a mess. So we usually say that the hormonal shift can cause you to feel really quite feverish all of a sudden. It can cause you to feel um, like those baby blues that people talk about. Um, it can cause a multitude of different things, but either way, sometimes your boobs might get hard. They might start to leak. Um, it just feel very different. 
And that's something that you can be really excited about because your milk's there. You know, we love that. Um, by this point too, sometimes your nipples can be a little bit on struggle street. So again, this comes with having a good latch and making sure that your latch is, you know, not causing damage. If so, um, one of the different things that midwives may try and check is for tongue ties and baby. Um, they may want to make sure that your positioning is okay. So sometimes switching it up to a completely different position can actually help babies to latch more effectively. Um, we might want to have a look at your nipple, um, what type of nipple you do have, and whether something like a, sh a nipple shield or um, a more intensive type of nipple cream could come into play to make your breastfeeding experience a little bit more enjoyable. Um, so nipple shields are a little device, like a silicone device that fits over your nipple. If you look at it, um, it basically is just like an exaggerated nipple, like the mold of an exaggerated nipple. And this comes really handy for people who have maybe inverted nipples or flat nipples. And it just helps to put more of that nipple tissue into baby's mouth rather than them having to struggle to find the nipple um, Again, I do explain this on my Instagram a lot better in writing than I do speaking. <laughs> um, but it does make a real difference for a lot of babies because sometimes I guess there's a little reflex in babies where your nipple hits the roof of their mouth, which causes them to latch and then suck. So if you can imagine that you have if you have a flat or inverted nipple, it can be really hard for babies to find that landmark, which is your nipple. And it can be really hard for them to get your breasts to reach the roof of their mouth so they can be then stimulated to suck. Um, so that's where the nipple shield comes in handy. can also come in really handy for damaged nipples as well. So if over a period of time, you know, maybe your latch wasn't as good as you'd hoped and, you know, you're on the road to recovery with that. But, you know, now that you've got... Or now, or like since you've been feeding with a bad latch, you may notice that you've got some blisters or some really sensitive sore nipples. Um, so you might want a barrier to protect, you know, your nipple from your baby's overly sucky suck <laughs> from their vacuum seal of a mouth. Um, so that's where the nipple shields come in really handy with that. And obviously using a really good cream in between feeds can be a life changer. Um, so you can get some really good creams from Lansino, um, Lanolin, Lansino. Yeah, that one. Um, Medela, Harker. Um, there's a few different ones. Again, I'll link them in the show notes for you, but yeah, invest in a good nipple cream. It will be really quite helpful. And I guess I've sort of lost my train of thought again. I love that for me. This is just the constant story of my life with podcasting. Like I would consider myself to have a really good memory and a really good vocab. But all of a sudden when I sit in front of the microphone, it's like I'm just complete, a completely different person. I forget how to speak. I forget how to think. I forget where I'm going with sentences. Yeah, just a fuck around, really. <laughs> um, so yeah, looking after your nipples is important. Um yeah, don't let anyone tell you that breastfeeding is, you know, the most comfortable, most beautiful thing in the world. I mean, it is, but don't be surprised if it does hurt you a little bit. Now, I know people say that breastfeeding isn't supposed to hurt, but riddle me this. 
if your untouched nipples, so your normal like everyday nipples, mine are sensitive as fuck. So I cannot imagine having a hoover mouth of a baby latched to the end of it and having someone tell me it's not supposed to hurt. Like, come on. I can put two and two together and figure out that a little vacuum on the end of my very sensitive, very tender, very, you know, nipply nipples, like, don't tell me that's not going to hurt. It's going to hurt. So at least for the first couple of days until I get used to it, and then maybe I'll, you know, get over that sensation and be, you know, cool with it. But you can imagine that it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable for the first couple of days. So just try and stick in there. Again, if it is a little bit sore, let your midwives know so they can check your latch, check your positioning, all of that jazz um, and make sure that there is no actual damage to your nipples. If they're quite sensitive, that's a bit different to pain. So it can be really uncomfortable, particularly for that first latch when um, you are breastfeeding. But if you notice that the pain persists, if it is like toe curlingly sore like every time your baby latches you just want to you know cry that's not normal you should look into that um and if it's to the point when you are taking baby off the breast and your nipples look almost unrecognizable or they're red and sore and irritated that's obviously not normal and that's something that needs to be flagged with your midwives so keep an eye on that um i guess we'll talk about a few different complications so engorgement um mastitis that sort of thing so engorgement's a very normal process particularly when your milk does come in um so if you can imagine you know when your milk does come in your breasts will become very quite hard they'll feel really quite uncomfortable just as your body or as your boobs get used to the new amounts of milk that they're producing So one way to relieve engorgement is by actually feeding your baby and making sure that they empty your breasts to prevent the breast ducts from becoming blocked. Because when you have a blocked duct, that's when it becomes a complication like mastitis and that can cause, you know, infections, can be really quite painful, really quite nasty. Um, So yeah, you want to make sure that you're emptying your breasts, particularly if they are engorged. There's different types of engorgement, which I won't go into on this episode because it can be really quite complicated. Um, But your midwives need to know if you are experiencing engorgement and it's pretty consistent. So if, um, you know, you have a once off type of engorgement vibe, um, that's normal. That's fine. As long as you're emptying your breasts and making sure that you're comfortable afterwards. But if it's really persistent and if it's starting to become really quite painful, um, that's when you need to let your midwives know so they can address it and make sure that you're doing all the right things to prevent it from reoccurring and then becoming, you know, something more complicated like mastitis. So with engorgement, um, again, heat packs before a feed can come in really handy because, again, they're stimulating that letdown type of effect. And they're also um, loosening your ducts, which allows for the milk to flow more freely. So highly recommend doing that or breastfeeding after a warm shower. The exact same as if you were antenatal expressing, um, that sort of thing. You want to make sure that your baby is emptying the breasts as best as possible. If baby gets off and maybe your breasts still feel 
feels quite full or still feels really uncomfortable, that's when you would express off a little bit to just sort of alleviate some of the discomfort and make them feel more empty. Um, and that's okay. You know, don't overexpress though. Like don't think that, oh, my breasts are empty now. I'm just going to keep expressing, you know, to stimulate more. No, your body will stimulate as much milk as your baby needs. Um, so don't think that you'll be ahead of the game by expressing more. Um, just express until you are empty and then, you know, use baby to do the rest. But again, babies are complicated little creatures. Sometimes they can be happy with a five-minute feed. Sometimes they can be happy with a, you know, hour-long feed. But yeah, just making sure that you're fully emptied and you're fully comfortable after feeds will help alleviate mastitis and using ice packs after a feed to constrict those vessels and let your body know that the feed is done um, is a good way to sort of help as well. So if you do get mastitis, one way, or like some of the ways that we can recognize it is mainly through your well-being. So if all of a sudden you feel like you've been hit by a truck, like you feel really unwell, your breasts are red, they're sore, they're very tender, um, they're hot to touch, they're inflamed, um, that's mastitis. And that's something that needs to be flagged with your medical professionals as soon as possible because untreated mastitis can lead to an infection which can be really difficult to treat. And yeah, it's not very nice at all. Um, you can still feed your baby the breast milk um, from your boob that has mastitis or your boobs, whatever the case may be. You, it's not like it's infected breast milk. You can still feed your baby. Um, that's fine. The only instances where we would recommend not feeding is if, you know, your breasts are really, really uncomfortable or... Um, you have an abscess or that sort of thing. But again, that comes down to your health professionals who are looking after you at the time and what their recommendations would be based on your specific scenario. Um, yeah, so I guess that's all I can really say about breastfeeding at this point. One thing I do want to make you guys aware of is that you do not need to see a lactation consultant for just the difficult stuff. It doesn't hurt to have a contact number or to meet up with your um, or with a trusted lactation consultant throughout your pregnancy or throughout your breastfeeding experience just to make sure that you're on the right track because no one expects you to have breastfeeding, you know, knowledge, particularly if you're a first time mum. Um, you know, breastfeeding is really quite hard. It can be really difficult to get a hang the hang of, um, particularly if there are little things here and there that may be happening with you and baby. If you had a really traumatic birth and your supplier takes longer to come in or whatever the case may be, it can be really hard to persist with breastfeeding and to feel like you know what you're doing. So please don't hesitate to meet up with a lactation consultant and just sit through them, uh, sit with them so they can go through your feeding, your schedule, um, where baby should be at in terms of their feeding and milestones that they should be reaching with your breast milk. Um, you know, it can be really beneficial and it can just give you that sort of peace of mind because again, no one really expects you to know everything, but they also are like at the same time giving you a baby to feed and help survive. So, it can just put your mind at ease and help you feel really empowered along your journey to make the best decisions for you and baby. 
So highly recommend that. Even if, um, yeah, you have a perfectly normal breastfeeding experience, it doesn't hurt to have someone just check it over and make sure that you're doing okay. Um, don't hesitate to reach out to your midwives for assistance as well, particularly at your postnatal appointments. And don't be afraid to tell them like how you're going or how you're coping with the breastfeeding. Again, it can be really mentally draining. It is very emotionally taxing, particularly if baby isn't latching as well as you would have hoped or particularly when your body might not be producing the breast milk that your baby needs. It can be really full on and, you know, it's a sleep depriving process it's really quite physically taxing as well. So like, you know, like I said, if you can imagine a baby vacuum on your nipple, um, it can be really quite difficult. So I just want to let you guys know that it's okay to feel like you might not be in control um, or that breastfeeding isn't something that you're enjoying. That's okay. Um, seek the help that you need. Again, talking to your midwives, talking to a lactation consultant, and don't be afraid to make the switch if that's going to, you know, formula or whatever the case may be, if that's going to be the best decision for you and baby at the time, because your mental health is important. If you're not looking after yourself and you're not in a good place, um, that makes it really hard to look after your baby. So please take care of yourself. Um, do whatever you need to do to feel in control whether that be breastfeeding or not um you know no one's going to judge you for doing the best thing for you at the time and if that just happens to be formula feeding good on you honestly there are so many ways to feed your baby formula these days is fine <laughs> honestly i can't you know stress that enough it is fine compared to what it, it's come a long way compared to what it was 20 30 years ago um, so if you want to formula feed your baby, please do if that's something that is important to you and something that will make you feel a lot better postpartum wise. Okay, I hope that helps in some way, shape or form. And I hope it give, this episode has given you a little bit more um, education about breastfeeding and all of the different things that it may entail. Again, I talk a huge amount about breastfeeding over on my Instagram at midwife in my pocket. Um, so please feel free to check out that page, leave a follow, a comment, a like, whatever you feel most comfortable doing. And I would love to hear from you guys. So if you would like to rate and review this podcast, please do. Um, it really supports my brand and helps me to grow. If you were listening on Spotify, um, unfortunately, I don't think the rate and review thing is a thing on there um but please don't be afraid to message me on instagram with your thoughts and your feedback i would love to hear from you i hope you guys have a really enjoyable week um once again thank you so much for tuning into this podcast and for listening your time means the world to me and i hope i have helped you in some way shape or form please don't hesitate to share this with a friend and i will see you guys next tuesday <laughs> All right. Love yous. Hooroo. Bye.